Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking Godzilla, some Film Fest faves, a 90s-set slasher with a killer soundtrack, and a whole lot of abs. Oh, the abs. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about those abs. The abs. Oh, the abs. Uh, so, okay, let's start off with Godzilla. I love me some Godzilla. <gasps> okay. So last Friday, Godzilla Singular Point, sorry, last Thursday, Godzilla Singular Point, the Netflix animated series came out and uh, Steve and I watched it in two days and it is phenomenal. I deserve an honorary quantum physics slash theoretical physics degree after (laughs) watching this show because it is so chock full of like ridiculous science that makes absolutely no sense, but the monster design is really cool. It's like a very different look at the like the monsters from Godzilla. So it kind of like stands on its own. So like Rodans that you that you know of from from like Godzilla, they are pterosaurs, and like you see some of the designs of like Anguirus and Mothra. Like Mothra's not in it, but there's like some callbacks to that. So it's its own thing with callbacks to the original franchise or the original like Godzilla and the monsters but okay basically there is a lot of weird theoretical interdimensional time shit going on but these creatures are coming into the into our world and the Godzilla in this one is very similar to the Godzilla from Shin Godzilla so it's like really fucking bleak and really violent in terms of the destruction like it's not like like, oh fun it's like oh this is actually very harrowing and like apocalyptic like it is very the entire show is very much like end of the world apocalyptic vibes okay and it's fucking bananas and you don't have to be familiar with anything from godzilla to really get it there's a lot of easter eggs and like callbacks for fans but it's Mm. they're not necessary for you to know them i think um for you to really enjoy the show 
if you if you get like kind of like huh about sciencey stuff, this <laughs> might not be for you, but you don't have to fully understand the science to enjoy it. It like feels like one of those things where it's like, I don't think anyone fully gets what the hell they're talking about, but it looks cool. And like, you get what, ha- <laughs> like at the end, you like, it all makes sense. So that is Godzilla singular point streaming on Netflix. It's incredible. The animation is really cool. The monster design is great. The characters are fun. There's an amazing little um, robot creature called Pilo two, who is, a really adorable AI who is represented as a Shiba Inu, um, a cartoon Shiba Inu, oh. and it's very cute. And yeah, I'm looking at these at this animation style, and it, I really, I really dig it. It's really, really cool. And like the the way they design Godzilla in this is really fascinating. Like he in Shin Godzilla, he is in stage. He's, he's shown in stages, and like a like he's like transforming in stages. And it is in this in this show too. It's <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, there is a cat on Mary Beth's lap. Just appeared. Just, just appeared. Appeared out of nowhere. Hi, Zook. Hi, buddy. Hi. God, he was staring at me. I was like, why are you looking at me? I could feel his eyes on me. And I was like, I can't look at you. And then he just jumped on my lap. So anyway, um, yeah, the, it's just... <laughs> He's trying now. He's trying to get to the microphone. Um, yeah, the monster. He has things to say. He has things to say. But he watched it too. And that was a tail in her ass face. Is just in my face. Um, uh, but cats in their butts. The Godzilla design is really cool. It's he's scary. Like he's scary looking. He's scary. Okay. I I think it's scary. I could be completely making this up because I haven't really watched it. But wasn't there another Godzilla anime on Netflix like yeah, a few years ago? There were um, some movies, and they were oh, movies. bad, and they were not. Oh related to this it's godzilla okay. but it was like in the future on different planets and it, it was weird and it's not the same thing they don't exist okay. in the same universe those were okay terrible. Gotcha. i didn't even watch all of them i watched the first one i think and i was like this is annoying and steve watched all of it because he's a godzilla completionist but i just didn't <laughs> Listen, she's trying to wrangle oh, there's a cat the cat's over here tail. too oh my god there's another cat <laughs> they're um, swarming you they're swarming, they're swarming you. in me <laughs> but yeah so um don't watch the Godzilla movies, animated movies. Those are terrible. Godzilla Singular Point is phenomenal. Gotcha. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I was super, I was very excited. It was uh, good. I was worried. Steve was very worried too. Okay. He is the big Godzilla. Like, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, but he is the OG Godzilla fan in this household. So he was very excited about it. Um, okay. So you saw a, uh, a 90s slasher. Or 90s set slasher with a killer soundtrack. I think I know what this is, but uh, I did. Tell me, and tell me more about. We're going to keep this Netflix vibe going. Uh, this is as of right now. You can go watch it. Uh, it's Fear Street Part One, 1994. This is a movie that should not work <laughs> because it's doing. It has to juggle a lot of balls. It has so much thing, so many things that it's trying to do and needs to do because, okay, this is the first in a three part movie series. They're going to come out each week and they're all interconnected. They tell one overarching story across different decades, 1994, 1978, and 1666. So somehow it's, it's having to create a story or little threads that are going to be continued out in the next two movies. That's one thing it needs to do. Two, it needs to be a slasher. Three, it needs to introduce characters and have a cohesive storyline. Okay. Four, it needs to somehow create this mythology of Fear Street and the town that this takes place in, Shady Side. 
it has to somehow do all of this while also introducing new people to the idea of Fear Street. So there's so many things it has to do. And yet it's it's successful in every single one. I'm so fucking excited to hear that because I, oh, anyway, uh, I was a Fear Street freak as a kid. Were you? As a Fear Street freak. And- and like, and see, I, yeah, I, I've never, I've never read them. I went, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've gone straight from Goosebumps to Stephen King, so I completely miss the more, you know, interstitial type Christopher Pike or Fear Street and that kind of thing. So I don't know how loyal this is to those books. I don't know anything about it, but as someone that is just watching this as a movie, it really worked incredibly well. It opens up with a scream homage that kind of twists the way that one plays out in an interesting way. Um, there are so many different musical mic drops in it that like, oh. Oh, everyone is like, everyone loves like Stranger Things and like the 80s movies. And I never had the you know, nostalgia for it. Yes, I grew up in that decade. But like in terms of the music and that kind of and the, the pop culture aspects of it wasn't really my decade. I love the movies. But this, though, it opens up with Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Yep. So we have that. We have uh, More Human Than Human by Rob Zombie. We have some garbage thrown in there. We have some pixies. We have some Black Hole Sun. I was waiting for like butthole servers to pop up. This is like 90s alt rock nirvana for me. And I just I was so happy with the the musical aspects of it. The the kills were actually really surprising and and really gory and there's actually it builds up the characters so well that there are some times at the very end when I wasn't expecting certain deaths to happen and they were gruesome and they were mean and I loved it. This worked 120%. The only qualm I have is there is a plot point towards the end of the third act, and I'm not going to talk about it because it's obviously spoilers, but it's very problematic. Okay. And it really bothered me to the point that, like, I almost feel like this needs to have kind of a content warning, maybe with overdosing. Like, there is a point in here that just really, I felt, did not hit the note that they probably wanted it to hit. Okay. And it really bothered me. Okay. But... One minor note of this entire movie, uh, queer lead. Hello. Love that. Great. This movie's fun. I cannot wait to see where it's going to go in part two and three. I'm so excited. And like, I, I'm looking now and I don't think it's based on any one Fear Street book. Okay. I figured it wasn't. Yeah, I was I'm checking. I didn't see. I don't think they're like based on any one movie um, or any one book. I think it's just like the conceit of them. And if it sounds... Oh my god, I'm just and Lee Janiak is the director mm. and she directed Honeymoon, which is one of my mm. favorite like indie horror movies. It's so good and I'm so fucking glad that she's getting work and like in this way, like this kind of big three-part Netflix thing. Mm. And could this be like with Freaky and then this, could this be the rebirth of the slasher in the 20 in the 2020s? And is this also going to help us herald in Maybe some 90s nostalgia, because I'm ready for some 90s nostalgia. Well, and more teen horror. Like, could this also be like, now we're finally coming back to more teen horror? Because, I mean, Fear Street's for teen. Like, the books are for teenagers. Like, it was for the kids who read Goosebumps, who are now, like, older and want to read something that's a little bit more fucked up. Because Fear Street books were fucked up. Like, yes, they were for teenagers, but some of that shit was, like, like, gruesome. Mm. So... And this definitely leans into the R rating. Like there, it's rated drops R. Drops fuck. Yeah, okay. it, there's a lot of fucks. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of on-screen violence. There's some sexuality. There's a really adorable sequence where people start getting it on. Like not like 
they start making out and one dude like reaches down like he's going to start jerking off like there is some definite sexual moments and this is actually really kind of adorable in a really weird way no but i love that like i just that's oh that just makes me so happy because i've been so cautiously optimistic about it for a lot of it's reasons, and I've heard a lot of really good things about it. So I'm it's so just a lot of fun. Excited. I can't wait to hear what you think about it when you watch it because it's a it's a blast. I really hope that the next two are equally good because I think they're all separate movies. It's 1994, 1994, and then and sixteen sixty six. But this movie kind of starts to establish uh, the connections, and I okay. feel like the characters in this that's it's going to be. I think they're going to be involved in some way or another with the the, the stories yeah, of the next because, two. Yeah, because so I my favorite Fear Street books. Sorry, I was like going off on a Fear Street tangent, but is Fear Street Saga, and it's a trilogy that takes place like in three different times. I didn't. I don't think this is based on the exact Fear Street Saga, which is a trilogy, but that is like the history of Shady Side. Okay, and like it's the first book starts in like the seven sixteen seventeen hundreds about the beginning of is the it town. about a, a witch. Yes. Because the witch is in this. Like, that. that's what okay. this is about. Okay, cool. So let me – I need to – again, I've been, like, avoiding a lot of stuff because I didn't want to get spoiled. But if this is mm-hmm. what I think it is, yeah, it's going to be based around that. And they'll all have connections that are really interesting. But basically, like, the, that trilogy explains why Shady Side is so fucked. That seems to be what they're going for with this. Um <laughs> was that thunder is that thunder? <laughs> Did you see the lightning <laughs> no i didn't see the lightning <laughs> yeah that was thunder well the thunderstorm that was coming today i thought it was just a really loud train nope that's thunder <laughs> baby thunder it has been hot as fucking balls here so i'm not surprised oh, that it is thunderstorming Lord. it is i know it's been hot everywhere Same. i know that it's been really hot but jesus christ um, Thank you, Global Warming. But yeah, I am just so excited. I'm I'm so glad to hear that from you. I'm so excited to watch it. And I'm just excited that... Well, hopefully you can watch it before we record next week. So yeah. that, like, Because I'm curious to hear what a Fear Street disciple has to say about it. Because again, I have no nothing. I know nothing Jon Snow. What I think, from what I can tell, and again, people can tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like they were... It's like nostalgic, but also seems to be okay to watch if you aren't as familiar with Fear Street. Like I don't, because the thing with Fear Street perfectly was fine with it. Well, the thing with Fear Street too is that like, from what I remember, it's like there are a ton of books, but in the same place, but they're not the same characters necessarily. Mm-hmm. So like, a lot of them are one offs. So like, if you didn't read one, you could read the others. Like I didn't read them in order. So I think that's a good thing about Fear Street too. Is like it's more the vibe of Fear Street rather than like your continuity or like people. Um, some of them are like little trilogies and like like collections, but a lot of it is just like like goosebumps. Like you don't have to be familiar with every mm-hmm. single one of them. Um, ah, ah. <laughs> just so excited! It was, it was a blast, Yay! and for a '90s nerd like me, it was like oh, pump that shit into my vein. Yeah. I was so happy for it. Um, okay, so I want to hear about some of these festival faves. So Chattanooga Film Fest was last weekend, and I covered it for Daily Grindhouse. I still have to write. Don't look at me. Um, <laughs> but I saw some really awesome movies. Um, Chattanooga always delivers like some fucking awesome gems that I have mm-hmm. never heard of. And it, once again this year, so like last year, it was like The Beach House and The mm. Launching Mare. Um so this year there was some good stuff too. So the one that I really want to shout out is called Dimland, 
which yes. I know that you watched as well. I watched because you you talked about it and raved about it. And I was like, fine, I'm just going to drop – I'm not covering the festival. I'm just going to drop money and I'm going to watch this this movie. It is – the way I describe it is Millennial on Wii meets Spirited Away or like a Miyazaki movie. It's got this like pervasive sadness about growing up and – leaving behind your childhood while also adding this very whimsical aspect to it of like escapism. So this young woman is trying, is like depressed. Like, let's just say what it is. She's depressed. Mm. And she and her mm-hmm. boyfriend go to a family's um like old cabin. And she's really upset because the cabin has been renovated. And it has this like idea of like, Oh, you like kind of have changed all my memories. Like, I can't believe it. And then her imaginary friend shows up. His name is – oh, what the fuck? Rue. Rue, yes. His name is Rue, and he is a person, or he looks like a person, but then he's wearing this mask, this, like, very round, like, oval-shaped white wooden mask that it kind of looks like no face-ish from Spirited Away. It's very simple. It's oh, got, yeah. like, a long nose, eyes, and it – He also kind of looks like an owl. It does. It looks like a barn owl, too. So he is a very soft-spoken uh, woodland spirit, mm. and he's very sweet. And it is just a very sweet, lovely, sad movie that just, like, made my heart very happy and sad at the same time. And it is just absolutely delightful. Like, it's just great. It's just great. And it just, it's like, it takes the feeling of a Miyazaki movie and puts it into a more, like, realistic Mm. context without, and like, a live action context, which I've never seen before. And I just feel like it captures that kind of vibe very well. And it... It was my favorite of the festival. It surprised the hell out of me. And I'm so glad you liked it. Um, and I think this is gonna, this movie is going to get a lot of hype, I think, once it, like... Because it got a lot of hype out of the festival. A lot of people I know liked it. It's, like, not... It's very different than what you'd think for a genre festival. It's not gory. It's not, like, super unnatural. It's not really scary. But it shows mm-hmm. you the side of the horror genre that is so beautiful at tapping mm-hmm. into anxieties and, just, like fears that are a little more existential about like your life and portraying them in a very gentle way. I don't know. It's just, it's just incredible. I don't really have anything to add to that. I like, <laughs> I really liked it. If you can't tell. Well, you are, I mean, you're bringing out references that like, once you say it, I was like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. I never even really thought about it. I never, until you mentioned it, thought about it in, in terms of Miyazaki. I never, but it makes perfect sense that you say that. I just, it was a movie that, I was captivated and I'm glad that I was not covering the fest because I was like, I don't know how to review this film because I just sat there entranced the entire time that like I cried. It it's a very emotional movie and I it it's is. it doesn't it doesn't have the most um I don't I hate to use the word logical. There's it's not about plot so much as about evoking emotions. And the only the closest thing I could think of in terms of a movie that I've seen recently, and it's completely different from this, so don't go in thinking you're gonna see this movie, but it was Starfish. Like just the way that that yeah. movie taps into sort of depression, sort of like being more about ex- giving the audience an emotional release or an emotional experience less than a plot experience. Yeah. And I just – I felt about this one – this one is much more gentle and much more um, ennui. I love that idea. And much more Miyazaki, yes, I, completely. But it gave me that same kind of feeling that I did watching Starfish. Is like I don't know how I would review this and I don't really know how to like – dissected in terms of plot but in terms of what it made me feel it made me feel all those emotions that you talked about and more i just it it's a real special movie for me yeah and it's got a really good like lo-fi hip-hop soundtrack Mm. that like really fits the vibe and yeah so 
this better get distribution soon. I'll distribute it my goddamn self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was obviously like my standout favorite. But I also watched The Old Ways, mm. which you've seen already. We um, talked about, Panic yeah. Fest? Yep. You talked yes, about it from Panic, Panic Fest. Fest? Mm-hmm. So I watched it and holy fucking hell, what a good creepy ass movie. Like this right? movie really freaked me out. Like it's actually like I turned off the lights for this one, had my headphones on. Like it was pretty creepy. Um, another really, like, I am so happy that, like, all of these movies are starting to come out about, like, exorcisms and religious horror that aren't about Catholicism, Mm -hmm. because this is very much the old way. So, uh, like, a Mexican-American journalist goes to her, like, her hometown and... I don't even, like, it's just, I don't want to give anything away. Like, I know we talked about it a little bit, but basically she gets told, she's told that she is possessed by a demon and that she needs to be have the demon exercised from her but not like the catholicism but the old ways so there's a very long ritual that goes along with it and it is so good the way like the mythology builds and like the kind Mm -hmm. of progression of the characters so that was a banger and stylish um, as hell too single location but stylish as hell just like it looked yeah it looked expensive it looked expensive and the way that they were able to like make the space look bigger than it was a lot of the time and like really play because like a lot of it was in one room, mm-hmm. but they play with the space in a really cool way that makes it feel different and not like you're seeing the same shit over and over again. Like especially with the way they progress the movie and like what progresses with her relationships with the people that she's with, which I really am fascinated with how like the these relationships develop between mm-hmm. all of the people involved and how it, the tone changes in the movie like mm-hmm. halfway through in a good way and it's really cool to see that because you don't see that in possession movies so that one is one to really look out for especially if y'all like possession films like this one is something again something really cool something different that gives you that vibe but in a whole new context and in a whole new way so that's very exciting and then the last one i want to talk about is events transpiring before, during, and after a high school basketball game, which I did not think I would, I did not understand why I was at Chattanooga. Like, it's not a horror movie, mm-hmm. but it is fucking hysterical. Like, it is just about a bunch of fucking high school weirdos. <laughs> and, like, nothing, nothing, like, out of the ordinary really happens. Like, everything that happens in this movie feels like something that could probably take place in a high school. Like, you've met people like this before. So it involves basketball team who's really bad, and they're all a bunch <laughs> of nerds, and their assistant coach who's really into the um, the triangle offense, where and that he, like, reads a book about basketball and, like, wants him to do this, like, very complicated <laughs> offense. Um, a referee whose uh, Lhasa Opso has osteoporosis... <laughs> And a group of four students who are in a like the- experimental theater group that they made themselves, and they're trying to make a message about the uh, controlling nature of the patriarchy. And they're being their voices are being stifled by the administration because they want to make a puppet of one of the administrators hanging from a noose oh. in their in their adaptation of King Lear. Oh, it is in incredible like it is so lo-fi and silly but the jokes are so funny everything is so dry and just like the way it all resolves is just like there isn't like a huge climax but it all makes sense like it it gets me like napoleon dynamite juno vibes a little bit but just like if you need like a point of reference for it like that kind of dry humor more like napoleon dynamite 
but a little less weird, like a little less <laughs> weird. But it is a gem. Like it's a fucking gem. It's just so cute and silly and like I didn't know how much I needed something like that. It was just the longest name, but it is so fun. I wanted to see that. I just didn't have time this weekend yeah. to like catch it, what but I I I've heard good things, so I was glad to hear that you really enjoyed it. And it's really cool because the camera like when he when the like a scene is being shot, the camera never moves. It's all like vignettes, it looks like. It's never just like they're not moving around following characters. It's like the camera is static and everything is unfolding in front of the camera. So okay. like it cuts a lot to different places in the high school, but it's just it's cool the way it's filmed in a more like lo-fi way. So, and then I want to talk about Candisha and another cuz Candisha's coming out soon on Shutter. So I want to talk about that when it comes closer to when it comes out on Shutter. Cool. And I have a screener um, for that, so maybe we can talk about that together. Yeah. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. It's it's worth watching, I will say now, but I want to talk more about it at a uh closer to release. Cool. So yeah, that's Yeah. <laughs> I watched a lot of movies this weekend. It was great. I was very happy with what I saw. So couple not everything was amazing but most of like all of it was like impressive like feel movies are cool i like i like movies movies are rad movies are cool um this car outside my house is not cool um but let's talk about some abs you know mary beth back in 2002 okay closeted terry 21 okay saw van wilder Fell instantly in love with an actor okay. by the name of Ryan Reynolds. I get it. He was so cute in that. Mm-hmm. He had a nice butt. There's a moment where he he poses nude for an art class. And I was like, I love this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I will watch whatever he's in. Mm-hmm. And then he popped up again in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle in a bit part as a male nurse. And I was like, oh, it's the love of my life. He just doesn't know it yet. And then uh, that same year, he decides to shed a bunch of weight and turn into Hannibal King in Blade Trinity. And I was like, this dude is hot. I fucking forgot he was in Blade Trinity. And then a year later, I hear that he is going to be in a remake of the Amityville Horror. And I see some of the trailers for it. And all I see are abs that go from his little itty bitty waist all the way up to his eyes, pretty much. It's just like (laughs) ab, 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 ab. No! And Rewatching this movie in the year 2021, I realized that I think I was led astray by abs, Mary Beth, because this movie is not what I remember it being, and I did not like it, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> How do I follow that up? Like that beautiful introduction about You're welcome. Ryan Reynolds, like you rolled out the abs, um, the ab carpet. Sure did. So... I liked this movie to a point. I was like, all right, like I'm like okay. it's 2005, like it's I'm but I'm vibing. Like there's some good scares in it. Like I, better than the the original. Sorry everybody, but like I was more thinking of the original and like this one had some cool scares in it. And then the last 30 minutes, I was like, oh no. Oh, you really let it go. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> it had me googling like is this thing like, what is this? And the oh, I fell into a hole about this movie <laughs> mythology <laughs> holy shit but yeah i i didn't so it has ryan reynolds but it also has melissa george who is stella in 30 days of night and everyone knows how mm-hmm. i feel about that movie and it's also in triangle um which i still haven't seen but it's like the weird time movie on the boat mm-hmm. and i love her like she had a moment in that time period where she was like horror sweetheart melissa george and i was 
I was excited to see her again because I haven't seen her in a while. And also, Clacy, Clacy, Chloe Grace Moritz is. Oh young- my god! Wait, I did not know that it was her. She's a little daughter, Chelsea. She's so small. I know, so, small. so fucking small. I was like, oh, I know. I did realize this was you in this, and you were such a little such baby. A baby. Um, but yeah, so like I. I was vibing with it. Like, it's a little cheesy, but I didn't mind it. And, like, again, I thought the scares were pretty interesting at some points. Like, the little girl putting the babysitter's finger in her bullet wound. That was pretty rad. I'm going to... Oh, that was the best was, part of the movie. Was, like, the best non-abs part of the movie. more of that. But then it got to the end with, like, they made this this whole mythology up that, like, is not real. Not and real. And that really was... It was so cheesy. And it relied on this whole, like pain and murder of native american or sorry indigenous peoples Mm -hmm. and like that is not even remotely anything that happened in the actual story and like yeah i know we can like romanticize and change things but this complete fabrication of a massacre and torture of indigenous people at the hands of a an occult priest it's just like it had it was only about exploiting pain like pain of indigenous peoples than anything else like it just didn't make sense it was so dumb and it just was like why like this was not the choice you had to make here like this was not appropriate that was i mean that was my big thought i was like why the fuck is this where it went like you had it all laid out in front of you they gave you you had the story like you didn't have to really change anything and yet here we are fuck i'm so mad <laughs> was so mad yeah you know i'm looking back at my notes that i took for this as i was watching it and um i i guess i still was um lusting over ryan reynolds in this because my notes notes were like you can murder me ryan reynolds okay um i wrote he has good dick energy i don't know why i said good dick energy but apparently he has good dick energy as i was watching a scene where he was um Oh, when he was going down to the basement to put wood in the fire, his shirt was halfway open, and he was hunched over a bit, but to not his head, hit his head. It just like felt really sexual to me. Um, this whole movie sexualizes him in ways that typical movies sexualize the female body. We even get a bath scene in this. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought that up, because I was thinking about the bath scene and how you never see a guy in a bath scene. It's always the woman. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love that. And he's shirtless through a lot of it. The The camera loves his body, obviously. Melissa George can't keep her hands off of him, which, again, girl, same. But there's this scene where, like, they're walking up into the house, and she just, like, grabs a hold of his ass as if, like, yep, this is mine. And I'm like, yes, own that ass. Yeah, so uh, that's, like, all I got from it. Yeah, and, like... <laughs> I think something I was thinking about was, like, the design of the house is way bigger and much grander than I think the actual house is. Mm. Oh, yes. And I also – I actually did have a a note that wasn't about sexuality. This movie (laughs) is set in the 70s, but it does not feel like a 70s movie. No. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I was watching this going, wait, is this set in the 70s? Because none of this feels like – a movie set in the 70s. And I, I think that this movie, this appreciation for this movie might be ruined because The Conjuring came out and that was about a movie set in the 70s. And it felt like it was actually about people in the 70s, whereas this feels like it's the 70s, but really it's modern day, early 2000s. Like, look, she's wearing a pattern. Yeah, it just it didn't feel it didn't feel like it was it was actually a movie set in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I agree. Also. Ronald DeFeo died in 2021. He did in, in March, right? Mm-hmm. March. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was doing some research on this because I was curious. Like John Ketchum is like the 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 villain of this movie and the priest. And I was like, is he real? Like I had to, I had, I was curious. And I just, I, I really did in a hole <laughs> about the area and on true legends.info about this. Um, <laughs> and one of the subheadings is lots of claims of demons area. And apparently this area and Amity, this is this, um this area is known as the devil's quadrangle. And basically somehow links the son of sam murders to this <laughs> and talks about this john ketchum as if he's a real person yeah. when there was a john ketchum but he was an indiana surveyor and had nothing to do with the salem no. trials or amityville or anything like that nope. he was just a surveyor in the 1800s 1900s yep. but this person just really goes deep into how, how somehow Amityville there actually was a crazy priest and then there are some other murders and the son of Sam are all linked together and also it's the devil's quadrangle I loved reading that I when you said, and I was like reading that going what like, Terry please read what am I reading <laughs> you have to read this because I, I don't know what the fuck I'm reading because I just wanted more information about how the Warrens were involved with Amityville because there's not a lot of info like they investigated it but there isn't mm -hmm. I mean this is a very preliminary Google search like I didn't go that deep but it didn't they didn't have a lot to say about their involvement as they had in like other cases like with Annabelle. So it was interesting. It didn't seem like they had as much to do with this, but also the original case was like supposedly mostly a hoax. Mm -hmm. But then also yeah. um, George Lutz also is into the occult apparently. And like, it's weird. I was like, I want more of him being into the occult. Like, why did we lean into that part? <laughs> like that would have been cool as shit to have him like, I want to see Ryan Reynolds doing some weird occult shit in their basement. Like, I would have, that would have been great. But yeah, sacrifice me. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be a virgin. Sacrifice you me, can... daddy. Yes, daddy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, I liked it to a point. Like, liked, I, I enjoyed it to a point, and then I was like, ugh, God, <laughs> you really just fucked up that ending so bad. Yeah, and the one thing that like it the one thing that I'm glad we've kind of left in the early 2000s is that kind of frenetic editing style that cuz this movie didn't have it as much as like say 13 Ghosts, but it was still there to the point that I'm like we don't need Thank God this isn't a thing we don't have anymore like, cuz we don't need that girl. weird glitchy edit. It's so bad. Like why why did we why think did that we was think good? That was why did we think we were doing something with that? It just looks like shit. <laughs> it doesn't look it good. It just does not look good. Oh, I still love that moment where she puts her finger in the girl's bu the bullet hole. That was. I mean, that, that was, was the cool best shit. part. I wish I, there was I, more I of that shit. Like that. That was. It was cool. one of my few non Ryan Reynolds. Cut. Also, she fucking she rolls up in the crop top and is smoking a bong out of her. The fact so like the shirt was funny, but the fact that she pulls a bong out of her purse, I'm like, girl, you're carrying a whole ass bong in your purse, and you're not dumping out the water. Like you are asking Ugh. for problems. Also, bongs smell like shit. Like everyone can smell whatever. I was just like that whole thing. Seventies like, logistically makes no sense, like at all. But. <laughs> But we're in the 70s. That doesn't mean that you just carry a bong around in your purse. Or maybe it's 70s. Does. <laughs> 70s. <laughs> Sorry. That's how you know we're in the that's 70s. Bongs. Just bongs everywhere. That's, that's about bongs. it. Bongs. <laughs> 70s mean bongs. 
Um, uh, on that on that note, <laughs> Terry, yeah. who are we talking to on Monday? <laughs> We're talking with Justin Nordell. He is the executive director of the Folk Song Society. He was formerly of the of the Philly Film Society. He also worked at Funimation. Um, his, you know, when you start meeting people on Twitter and you realize what kind of amazing and bonkers careers they have, this is one of those people. Yeah. And we're talking to him about Tremors. Oh my god, it's amazing. like that. His his enthusiasm for Tremors is incredible, and like his story mm. about Tremors is incredible. So, oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it's inc- Not for him, but it's, it's, it's funny it's, for it's me. It's funny now when you're an adult and you're hearing his pain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. And oh, oh boy. So what are we watching for next week's little cuts? Oh, God. <laughs> we're going to do it, y'all. I guess we're, we're going to watch the Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street remake. <laughs> Duck! <laughs> I have not seen this uh, for a, a plethora of reasons, mostly Twitter uh, telling me it's not worth it, but we're going to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I get to experience uh, this Freddy who looks like shit. I mean, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to, I will see what I think now rewatching this because I, again, have not seen this since the movie theater, but um, I actually didn't mind the Freddy makeup, but maybe... I had blinders on because, I, or maybe I was just so focused on trying to find something good because, well, we'll get to that. Oh, Jackie Earl Haley, I'm so sorry, dude. I like you too. You're a good actor, but uh, yeah. So y'all, <laughs> you've heard we have to do it. We have to. We have to do it. We're ha- we've, we're talking about odds remakes, so we have to do it. <sighs> anyway, y'all, you've heard from us, so you want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for what we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Please. It's Pride please. Month might be over, but Pride Month is really Pride Year. We're, well, we're now into Pride Wrath. <laughs> or Pride Wrath. And or Wrath. You don't <laughs> okay. want... To have us angry at you. It's true. Anyway, <laughs> they, yeah. thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. 
from the team that brought you small town dicks this is the briefing room episode one drops on august 30th we'll meet you in the briefing room acast helps creators launch grow and monetize their podcasts everywhere acast.com